Welcome to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. And here we are once again, Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. I got to fix his uh, echo there. Is he here with us? He's here. Oh, hey, Todd. There he is. There he is. I don't hear him. <laughs> I hear stuff. There he, there he is. <laughs> where is he? Someplace. Oh, okay. Harry Bunker. He's in Los Angeles. That's where he is. Maybe. Uh, we think at least. I'm in. Uh, I'm in hell. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you're deserving. That's okay. We podcast from everywhere and do a live stream from everywhere. We do. Welcome again to another edition well, of Abel that, Francis' Voices of the West. We got a goodie for you today. Uh, we have uh, author Deborah A. Fox with us uh, from Seattle, Washington. She has written a book, uh, it's a graphic novel, uh, based on the true story of William Lewis Manley, and the title is The Man Who Beat Death Valley, and we'll have her on here. And he did. Moment- did yeah. Yeah, mo- yeah, we'll have her on momentarily to talk about that. But first, a little bit of uh, housekeeping. Housekeeping, okay. Last week I mentioned the American Indian Fine Arts Show. Uh, that's continuing through February 12th, and it's okay. It's in Tucson, so if, if you folks are listening in Seattle, you either got to fly down here, drive, or hurry. Anyhow, in Tucson at the Red Wolf, Red Wolf Inn, Wolf Wolf. Speak again. Uh, <laughs> in downtown University Flamingo, it's at 1300 North Stone Avenue. It's right across the street from the Pima College uh, main campus downtown. And it's open from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day. If you need some contact information, it's 928-797-6020. 928-797-6020. And I go every year, try to go a couple of times, uh, just to support the Red Brothers. Uh, it's not it's not a big fancy show or anything, but you get to see some really beautiful craftsmanship, and the folks there they love talking to you. Uh-huh. So you can you know, maybe get a little history or a little education, or maybe even educate one of them. There you go. Uh, also uh, happening this weekend out at the Mescal movie set, it is uh, a Civil War days uh, type of thing going on. Uh, artillery out there, they're going to be doing lots of booms. And uh, so that's today and on Sunday. So you can uh, check the Mescal Movie uh, website, mescalmovieset.com website. And also the first annual Tombstone Western Book Fair is coming up. That'll be on March the 1 uh, from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. at uh, the Shefflin Hall, 4th and Fremont in Tombstone. Uh, it features the authors, uh, featuring authors, uh, Doug Hawking, Bill Markley, and Chris Enns. We're going to be down there. Veterans of our show. That's right. We're going to be down there having some fun as well. So, let us welcome Deborah Fox. Hi, Deb. Hey, how are you? Doing well. Glad to be here. I'm so pleased to be here, and thank you for inviting me. <laughs> you are most welcome. We are delighted. Deb. Todd Roberts, this was your uh, your find here, so... Uh, let talk talk about uh, how did you find her? Yeah, talk about Deborah Fox. Well, you know, um, first of all, it's important to remember, as my mother used to say, that even a blind squirrel finds a nut. So let's start off there. Um, but second of all, um, you know, I just found this the man who beat Death Valley, and the only guy could I could ever think of that even could. Uh, shall I say, have a repartee or a repertoire with Death Valley was Louis L'Amour, who in the early 50s or late 40s, you know, in the winter, walked across parts of Death Valley with a backpack. And I just, and the way he described it and talked about it, it, although it's obviously very formidable and it's not something you mess around with, because as we know, Mother Nature can change uh, on a dime with you and take your life. Yep. Um, it just was kind of, it almost made Death Valley romantic. And then you learn about Scotty's Castle and this and that. And then I see her book title and a little thing on it. And I thought, wait a minute, uh, who, who, what kind of, who is this guy? Is he the most interesting man in the world? Or <laughs> is, he, uh, is he part Hemingway and... Part Aero Flynn, Tyrone Power, 
Peter O'Toole character uh, in a film? What is he? Who is he? Why is he? Well, he's a little bit of, you know, that's me when I've had too many bourbons, but we won't talk about that, Bunker. Yes, um, we will now. And I just, I was entranced. And then we started communicating, she and I, and she was just delightful. And I thought, okay, uh, this is somebody who could be on the show because we like all our guests, but, you know, we sometimes are a little challenged with our guests and to answer like in one sometimes. and two, three word answers. That's not something Deborah will do. Oh, good. <laughs> so there we have it. But our questions are going to be one and two words. That's all right. No. But uh, and I, I, I have to, I have to yeah. apologize ahead of time. Apparently, there is some issue going on with the uh, server here. I can't get connected to our server. So enjoy the podcast, and I hope you are enjoying the podcast. There will be no recording. But no, it's oh. being recorded. It's just not going out live like oh. it's supposed to be. Oh, that's. So. And I don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. I guess i got to spend more money. More gremlins, yeah. You know, I want to share, share a story with you because of what Todd said about Louis Lamore. My good, my good friend, Neil Summers, stuntman buddy, we worked together for 30 years. And his dad raced bikes in England. He was a professional bike guy. And... And I don't remember the exact age, but he decided he would set a Guinness Book of Records for the oldest man to cross Death Valley on a bicycle. Wow. So Neil and myself and uh, Neil's mom, uh, we went up as support, and his dad did it. But on a technicality of either of where he started or finished, it didn't make the book. But he did it. And we were there. Yeah. Huh. All right. So, what was the impetus behind this uh, graphic novel? I think I don't think we even mentioned that it is a graphic novel. Uh, so, what is the impetus behind this graphic maybe novel? Maybe should Deborah? describe so folks know what. A, not everybody knows what a graphic you, novel. Really, is. you don't think so? Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, some people don't know what it is. Well, it's kind of like a comic book treatment of a subject. Um, comics generally are about superheroes, like you know, Batman, Superman. Um, and they're serialized. The graphic novels uh, are in the cartoon or comic style, but they tackle a lot of different subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, there's graphic novels about Manzanar and uh, and uh, all, and any number of historical um, or social topics. So um, it's just uh, basically, um, you know, a com. Uh, it's like a. It's a illustrated representation of a story. It's like a gla- a class, the old classic illustrateds. I remember. Yeah, yeah. It I, has word balloons and and that sort of thing, you know. Yeah, I re- and sound effects. I, I remember reading. Uh, would have been nineteen sixty four, sixty five, a uh, graphic novel, if you will. I I called them comic books, but it was about uh, uh, John Kennedy. And it was uh, after, obviously published after the assassination, but it, it detailed his his history, uh, growing up, and then being the PT-109 boat commander, and all the trials and tribulations of that, and then uh, being elected president, and then all the people who turned out to yeah. the memorial. And, and I thought that was pretty right. good. Uh, first time right. I've ever seen anything like that. Well, there's another footnote. I had every classic illustrated but one in my collection at one time. Mm. Oh. And I could never find yeah. that one. And I can't remember which one it was now. <laughs> well, now you have one of William Lewis Manley. Yeah, this is, I'm going to stick this one right in there. I'll have to start my collection over again. So once again, what was the impetus behind this particular book, Deborah? Well, I read uh, William Lewis Manley's autobiography, Death Valley in 49, and uh, I was stunned. The story is just an amazing story of uh, privations and struggle and survival and, and heroism. So after I read it, it stuck in my head for decades. And when I started um, transitioning into graphic novel creation, I just knew I had to do a graphic novel about William Lewis Manley. Hmm. So that was the, his story was, um, his autobiography was the impetus, but 
as I tackled the subject matter, I started to learn more and more about William Lewis Manley and how much writing he did. And it turns out there's a lot of stuff he did not put in Death Valley in 49. Hmm. He kind of wanted people to know uh, what he wanted you to know about him. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know how that goes. Anyway. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so that was the impetus. Yeah, it's a great story. Well, does that mean you're going and- to do a prequel or a sequel or both? <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, actually, yeah, I started writing a, a sequel to The Man Who Beat Jeff Valley. Yeah, it goes on. There's a, It could be a prequel to it, but um, um, I kind of um, I kind of had to wrap things up a little bit um, um, succinctly at the end. And definitely there are some scenes that um, I could afford to revisit in a mm-hmm. sequel. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. You know, I want to I want to travel back in time. Not that far, mm-hmm. but uh, you did Everett Massacre, another graphic novel. And how much, how much, uh, do, in in the process of doing that, how much of that helped you in, in the man who beat Death Valley? Yeah, actually, it helped quite a bit, and um, it helped me um, learn the process of graphic novel creation, how to do it. Um, write and be organized about it because the reality is you you write a script before you do any drawing and i think it's really um tempting for artists to you know immediately start drawing but you have to be organized and and so it starts with writing a script obviously it starts with research but um but the script writing is pretty important and as you probably know you've seen many movie scripts uh, graphic novel scripts are very similar, actually. They're easy to adapt, too, because they're pre-storyboarded. Exactly, exactly. I, I would say the major difference is that um, dialogue is numbered, so uh, it could be, like, in a script, like in a Word document or word processing, it could be just highlighted and dropped in um, when you're doing the sketches. So it just keeps you organized, right. and and um, and some scenes need to be eliminated because um, all the it just makes the when the page count goes up, the expense goes up. <laughs> so sometimes never gotta edit. Rain, never write rain scenes in a script. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Uh, you know, I want I want to go back. To uh, your bio that you wrote at the end of Man Who Loved Cat, uh, Man Who Loved Death, Beat Death Valley. <laughs> I worked Man on Who Loved Cat, cat Dancing. Dancing yeah. uh, they, they get my, my, my head is scrambled. Uh, but I want to read this because it, I think it will really set up for the listeners uh, your background and why this came about and why it, I think it is very successful. It goes, Deborah A. Fox is an award-winning visual effects artist, commercial director, writer, and painter. The Man Who Beat Death Valley is her second graphic novel. Fox grew up in Los Angeles and drew comics as a child. She attended Otis Art Institute in Los Angeles and started her career as a storyboard illustrator for movies, television shows, and commercials. She moved into commercial, into digital art realm, creating title graphics and visual effects, which earned her two Emmy nominations. In 2000, she moved to the Pacific Northwest to continue her career in commercial writing and directing. Fox is a member of the Visual Effects Society and Academy of Television Arts and Science. Fox enjoys hiking and cycling and shares a love of history with her husband. And you actually did a lot of hiking in Death Valley. Oh, my, did we ever. Yeah, actually, um, for the graphic novel, uh, my husband and I traveled from Wisconsin to Santa Clarita and through Death Valley to shoot uh, photography for the backplates or the backgrounds for the artwork. So that entailed hiking some remote canyons in Death Valley. And and sometimes we hiked it more than once. Mm. So um, I have a very... um, patient and supportive spouse yeah. um, and, when it when it came to making it <laughs> and, be- and beautiful photographs by the way they would make a Thank nice you. little book in themselves i think 
Thank you. Thank you. So what um, what, what was your impression? Since it's, you tra- you almost traced or uh, in fact did trace Manley's uh, journey. So what were your impressions, uh, you and your husband's impressions of doing it when you did it versus in 1849? What, what do you think? Oh, oh my goodness. Um, well, wow, the, li- the landscape has obviously changed quite a bit, but there's some areas we went to where it, it hasn't changed at all, you know. Um, I would say, you know, areas through Nebraska, the Oregon Trail is covered by um, the interstate. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, But when you go through um, Scotts Bluff, Wyoming, it gets a little bit more remote. And uh, you can see actual wagon ruts, actually, mm-hmm. which were fantastic. The Guernsey mm-hmm. wagon ruts were really impressive. Mm-hmm. And you can see some of the immigrant uh, inscriptions yeah. that still exist mm-hmm. along the trail. Mm-hmm. I would say part parts of Nevada that we went through were uh, just freaky desolate. They were so, so desolate that if we broke down, our car broke down, <laughs> no one would find us yeah. for two weeks. You'd still be out there. But, yeah. <laughs> well, the historic yeah. landmarks are, are still there, you know, and that's that's neat in itself to actually to actually see them and then photograph them for your background material. Yeah, exactly. Well, I would say one area that really changed in in, in the case of Manley's route is him and his um, his you know comrades that were on the uh oregon trail were going to be cut loose in salt lake because the guy who ran the wagon train didn't want to board and and uh feed them he didn't know what he was what's going to happen basically the wagon train was too late in the season to make it over the normal california trail uh through donner pass so they would have to detour through Salt Lake, and they didn't know what was going to happen in Salt Lake. So Charles Dallas, who ran the wagon train, said he was going to cut the men loose. And uh, Manley and his group of men decided, well, we'll just take the Green River down to California. We could see that it dumps into the Colorado River um, without knowing that it, it only charted. Um, I would, yeah, that was not a good shortcut, but, um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, Alfred Walton nearly drowned to death and Manly saved him being the hero that he is. Hmm. But, um, a lot of the upper reaches of the green river has radically changed because they've dammed it. And now it's a flaming gorge, uh, reservoir. Hmm. So, it's a big lake now, so I would say that was a huge change in the interstate, obviously. Oh, yeah. So in par- in part, it's really uh, really original and it's beautiful, but um, a lot of it has changed, particularly Santa Clarita, where mm-hmm. um, where they found the old rancho. Um, I mean, that's covered up with you know freeways and housing developments and mm-hmm. industrial parks and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Six all, legs. all in the name of progress. We're talking with uh, author Deborah Fox. The book is The Man Who Beat Death Valley. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France. Todd Roberts with you. On Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, we'll be back with much more right after these messages. Stay tuned. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities 
activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson, is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tank Verde in Tucson. 520-777-1911. Watch Old West silent movies anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. All right, listeners, you like Westerns, right? You're darn to. I mean, you do listen to this program. So you want a chance to tell the rest of the world which Westerns you think are the best? I'm always ready to back up whatever I say. Here's how. Email us your picks for your top five Westerns. Tell us why you think those five are the best cowboy movies. You got any more you want to say on the subject? Each month, we'll pick one entry and offer you the chance to talk about your choices as a guest on our live stream and resulting podcast of the Voices of the West program. Pretty simple, right? We want to hear from you. We have our men scouring the valley. Email your list to bestwesterns, voicesofthewest at gmail.com. I guess that's all we need to hear. We never should have taken that shortcut. Look where it's led us straight into a trap. We should have turned back. We should have turned back. I wanted to. I wanted to. I quiet. The way out of every place. This is the Voices of the West. Abel Francis, Voices of the West, Harry Alexander Bunker to France, Todd Roberts with you. We are coming to you from the White Stallion Ranch, just north of Tucson. And uh, Deb Fox is our guest. She is the author of a book, pretty doggone good book, The Man Who Beat Death Valley. God, I hope there's a way out of this place. <laughs> and Deb, that, uh, that little drop that ran right after the commercial break there, um, that was yeah. uh, from a uh, uh, from a Death Valley uh, episode, Death Valley Days episode, and it uh, it's either the first or the second episode uh, of when they come yeah. two part when they come to the, come to the area and they see it and it's like oh my god <laughs> what have we gotten ourselves into yeah so I thought it was appropriate for this you know while we while thank we, you I've seen it while we were on it's break a- I was just kind of grazing through the book here and looking at you know the, the photos and the artwork and how how you melded them together and it's like the uh, the Scott's Bluff picture it's just perfect uh, melding in the river crossing and you know and what is one of the things I, I noticed in here I, I can see at bits and pieces here and there uh, the storyboard experience that you have you know, I had yeah. a good friend that was a storyboard artist, and uh, I can see it in there. And it, it real, I can see how it really uh, adds to the experience of, of doing a graphic novel. Thank you. Yes, I try to make the um, the scenes like a movie. I wanted uh, it to be really clear. You know, what side of the frame characters were on and what direction they were going. So my experience as a storyboard illustrator really helped me. And, um, and of course, my experience as a visual effects artist also helped with like blending in the shadows and all that stuff. Um, one thing I think this graphic novel 
really helps educators and homeschoolers grasp is the landscape, how the landscape changed from the prairies where cattle could just graze and then to the desert where it's just nothing but sagebrush and cactus. So, um, yeah, it was... It sort of yeah, it doesn't it, overpower. Yeah. Talk about the, and we'll use this word in quotes, friend Bennett. Oh, <laughs> yes. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A henchman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I was reading Manley's material, um, you know, he talks about Bennett, and Bennett is his friend from Wisconsin, whom he was supposed to travel the entire Oregon Trail with, all the way to California, but Bennett left without him. Um, he just pulled up his family and left without him, and there were other incidences that kind of caught my attention, and the way Manley talks about Sarah Bennett a lot in his autobiography and you know his mentions of his friend Asahel um, were just a little perfunctory and so I kind of wondered about that and um, one of the things that Manley doesn't put in his autobiography that I really wanted to explore in my book is that um, 10 years after Manley had rescued Bennett, his children, and his wife from starvation in Death Valley by walking 500 miles of the Mojave Desert from Death Valley and back. Um, So he rescues Bennett, and then 10 years later, they go on a prospecting trip back to the Death Valley country, and Bennett strands him. (laughs) Bennett strands Manley. So that was something... (laughs) Yeah. He seems like he's so an thanks. opportunist. You know, <laughs> you <it's> think? Like, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you know, you know I, I want to go way back. I love going back. Uh, when uh, Manley is sick in Wisconsin and Sarah is taking care of him, you know, it, 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 it's not stated in here, but it seems to me there is a lot of, of history between uh, Manley and Bennett. And also between Manley and Sarah because of, of his attraction to her and her to, her to him. But he is such a sterling character that, you know, it, it, he would never, never take advantage of, it, of, of that situation mm-hmm. between them. And, mm-hmm. and she was, you know, that was the morals of that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were just good Victorian people. Exactly, exactly. And Manley was a real upstanding guy. And um, and he would never do anything salacious or any or immoral. Um, but one of the things I uncovered in my research after I found out that Bennett had abandoned Manley after Manley had saved him, I was I wanted to know why. Why did this happen? And so one of the first things I wanted to know was how long did Manley know Bennett before they did their infamous mm-hmm. trek into Death Valley? And it was, it was nine years. Hmm. And some of that time, Manley li- lived with the Bennett family. He was friends with Sarah's father. And in fact, when uh, Sarah was on her deathbed, it was it was Sarah's father that notified Manley in a letter, not Bennett, hmm. so that Manley could rush to her deathbed hmm. and visit his friend. I do think they were just friends mm-hmm. and that really loved and cared for each other. And also Manley grew up with her children, their children. Yeah. And so I think there was um, a, a deep connection and um, yeah, so it was very fascinating to dive into uh, the relationships that well, Manley had. Well, didn't Sarah's father kind of kind of wish that she had married Manley and not Bennett? <laughs> well, that's um, that's what I put in the graphic novel. That's my flight of fancy. That's what you feel, yeah. Be- that that was my flight of fancy because. 
when Bennett and Sarah and their and Dilly, Sarah's father, left for um, when for left Wisconsin for California and left Manly behind. Um, when they reached Salt Lake City, Dilly wasn't with them anymore. Hmm. So I was wondering, like, well, why would you know Sarah's father leave his daughter? And um, there was one anecdote, which I would just love to put in, like a sequel or prequel, um, where Manley, after his disastrous detour on the Green River, treks with his group of men to Salt Lake and miraculously meets up with the Bennett family. Yeah. Um, And Dilly's not there. But when Manley's catching up with Bennett and Sarah and, and the group that Bennett's attached himself with in the wagon train Bennett tells this anecdote where you know there was a lot of stress on the trail and people came to blows and he talked about people wanting to saw their wagons in half so that one person could take their half of the wagon and go this direction and the other group could take their half of the wagon and go in a different direction. And so this anecdote really stuck in my head and I was like, well, you know, I wonder if Dilly and Bennett had this argument, you know? So we'll never know, but, you know, in the graphic novel treatment of the topic, I can just kind of insert what I've learned Mm -hmm. and put it into uh, thought. It's possible. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know what was going on in their heads, and so it's conjecture on my part. But um, but I can put it out there, and you know, let people decide what they think. Todd, jump in there. Well, I guess my question, you know, and I I I don't want to be, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to put Manly up, but you know, Deborah, do you? This is a guy who survived it not once, but twice under very difficult conditions without a lot of resources and or supplies and or water or anything else. Do you think he beat it because he was just tough enough or was he smart enough to maneuver his way through it and not make it as difficult on himself as possible? Hmm. That's a really good question. Hmm. I think... Well, first of all, when most of this transpired, he was in his late 20s, just tur- almost turning 30. So he was a young man, and um, and he was very fit. He was an accomplished outdoorsman, and he was an expert hunter. He did a lot of hunting uh, with his friend or frenemy, uh, Bennett, <laughs> when they were in Wisconsin. And um, he was an expert with his rifle. So um, he was able to shoot game along the trail, um, and that helped the group survive. And I think a combination of being a really good outdoorsman and being young really helped him. You know, it's, it's a, you, know you, you mentioned earlier in the, in the story when uh, he's supposed to meet up with Bennett, and he goes to get the, this horse, and and the horse is not not there, sold or whatever, and he walks 40 miles to another town to find a horse, and then, of course, by the time he gets to the meetup point with Bennett, he's gone, and he takes off, and all of his supplies and preparations are with Bennett, because Bennett took mm-hmm. it. He didn't leave anything behind right, for right. him. So basically, he is he is traveling with what he's got on his back oh. and what he has. This guy is a survivor. Big time. And, he, and he's like a really, he's a master of being outdoors. You know, he, he hunts professionally. Yeah, this guy, he's like a Davy Crockett or a Daniel Boone in some ways. Uh, we are talking. Absolutely. We are talking with author Deborah A. Fox. Uh, she is the author of a book called The Man Who Beat Death Valley. It's a graphic novel. You can order it uh, through her. You can find it on um, uh, Amazon. Dead Fox Design. Yeah, and yeah. you can find it wherever books are sold. Just find it, buy it, and read it and enjoy it. Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. It's time for another break. We'll be back right after these messages. Let's break it. Can you even?
even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 skeet fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. You've got some cattle you want, Russell, but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job. Little lady up the road apiece won't strike a deal with you about water rights. You out there! Come one step near and old Bess here will spit right in your eye. So you need to strike your own deal, but you need the right henchman to do the job. The stage is hauling a Wells Fargo box loaded with gold. You've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold, but like henchmen to pull off the job. What to do? You better start packing a handgun. Call Red a Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scruffy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Red a Hench users have to say. Well, you know, when I joined Red a Hench, I was trained by Bud Osborne, Charlie King, and some of the best head henches there ever was. And I'm going to guarantee you that you cannot hench without the proper henches around you. And that's just a gentle hench. When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our Renna henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow directions, and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. See our ad in the Saturday Evening Post or Harper's Weekly. Hey, not only that, when you're in the Long Branch and you want to go next door to Doc's to get that bullet out of your shoulder, get a Renahance to sit there on your place and keep your whiskey warm while you're gone. Renahance, when you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean. You let me do the work. Howdy, folks. This is Ray Benson of Asleep at the Wheel, and you're listening to the Voices of the West, of which I am one. Francie's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts with you. Our guest is Deborah A. Fox, author, The Man Who Beat Death Valley. Graphic novel, good stuff. You think this might get turned in, could this get turned into a movie, Deborah? I would hope so. I would love that. I think it belongs in a movie, quite honestly. I think it's shocking that Manly's story is not more widely known. Right. We know about Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp and Jesse James and all these other guys, but you say William Lewis Manley and nobody knows who he is. Mm-hmm. So um, I just want to back up one second and say the book is available at debfoxdesign.com or on Amazon okay. because it's indie published. So ah, unfortunately, right, yeah. I don't have a distributor. So well, hopefully somebody anyway. will see so this Deborah, thing and say, I have hey, to- we need to pick it up. Yeah. Deborah, Go I got to ask you, what is yeah. it through all your research, which I know was extensive, not only uh, intellectually but physically, because you walked Death Valley with your husband? What are the two things? Maybe there's only one, but what's the one thing that you learned about Death Valley that you never knew, or really nobody knows? And what's the biggest myth of Dead Valley, Death Valley, that you discovered? Myth about Death Valley. Hmm. One thing I discovered. Wow. Penguins. Wow, penguins. It's cold. <laughs> Lots of penguins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, that's a really good question. I. Well, I would say, yeah, it is cold there. And certainly when, you know, Manley was traveling through Death Valley, it was in December of 1849 and 1850. So it was cooler, and it was definitely uh, 
uh, it was fortunate that they weren't there in summer because right. they all they all oh, would man. have perished. Yeah, I would say 120 simple, plus days. Temperature yeah. of the sun. <laughs> yeah, I I would say I would I'm surprised that some of the um, springs that were relied upon are have gone extinct or are going extinct. So, which is kind of sad because you know weather's changing and the west is drying up so Mm -hmm. um that i you can really see so um yeah i would say that was (laughs) yeah i heard that yeah that that flash flood really helped them out yeah it got busy (laughs) well you know i got i got something else here i want to touch on uh the uh the letters that uh that Manley wrote, you replicated them and, and the font in that. And I, I was thinking, you know, I'll, I hope kids today can read this because this is cursive. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but it's so, it is so so neat and it's again it's it's just so subtly and and gently in, inserted into the storyline. It's not overpowering, but but it's it's kind of like. It's kind of like it takes you out of the story and into Bennett's, uh, not Bennett, but into Manley's head. Yes. Um, as part of my research, I was able to get access to Manley's letters written in the 1880s. And they're at the Huntington Library in San Marino, California. And also I used his map, his hand-drawn map of his trek through Death Valley mm. in some of the graphics of the book. And um, I ended up creating the font, which you use for kind of like the narration balloons or bubbles Mm -hmm. in the graphic novel, which are Manley's diary that he kept. And I cut out individual letters from his handwritten letters and and created a computer font um, that replicated Manley's Mm. writing as I saw them. Yeah, it was it was it was a real treat because it it really struck home that this is a real guy, you know, that we're talking about. So um, it was really interesting to read them too because uh, he he was writing he was writing his fellow uh, 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 the group the Death Valley Forty Niners the Jayhawkers the other group of a hundred people that turned off the Spanish trail south of Salt Lake. They were they got a, a hold of a bogus map and decided they were going to just trek across the Great Basin Desert following this bogus map, and mm. then they blundered into Death Valley. And so after years later, towards, you know, in the 1880s, Manley started writing these other fellows that he was stuck in the desert with uh, to refresh his memory and so it was interesting to read um, those letters that he wrote to those men, and how his, you know, how he changed over the decades. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, getting it, older, the, getting the, wistful. Yeah, the experience yeah. obviously hardened him to life, or or should have. Well, you he got know, a little crusty. You think? <laughs> you, know, you know, it's kind of a, a footnote. But, these people that went through these different things, they had a, a kind of a, a tendency to bond after the fact, like, mm-hmm. like the, the letters. Mm-hmm. They would seek out each other, and mm-hmm. I guess maybe to, not to relive the experience, but uh, to rekindle something, that, that, that bonding that they you, had. You travel with someone in that kind of an environment for that long of a period, you cannot help but bond with them or kill them. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, <laughs> I, I have another. I, I always like these these off the wall questions that I, I, I come across. But in reading some of the other stuff here, you and it's not in the not in the story here. But you mentioned the Death Valley trunk, and I thought that was just such an interesting and, and neat little story. Could you uh, elaborate on that? Are we talking about the bunk trunk? Yes, the bunk trunk. Oh, oh my goodness! Oh man, it's really uh, well. Um, actually, uh, Gene and Leroy Johnson are two 
fantastic Death Valley historians, and they've written many books about Death Valley. And uh, I use I as I use them as sources, and then also I I look them up um, so I could ask them some questions, and I ended up becoming friends with them. And uh, Jean Johnson told me the story of. Jerry Freeman, who was this amateur um, treasure seeker and Death Valley 49er, you know, person that was really interested in the story and who snuck on the military base of Area 51 where the, the, the pioneers came down through Area 51, which is now Area 51. Mm-hmm, the green. Um, and you can get in serious trouble, but this Jerry guy was. Jerry Freeman was, he would just do stuff like that. So uh, he went searching high up in the, I think it was the Panamint Mountains, which are on the uh, western border of Death Valley. And um, he took a group of people and a cameraman, and Leroy was there, and they, quote-unquote, discovered this trunk um, that was in some, like, shallow cave or something, and they shot it all and, uh, and then opened the trunk and it contained a doll and, mm. and a coin and this other stuff. And Jerry was going to take it and do kind of a Geraldo Rivera kind of, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, take it off the park property. But he was advised not to because that's a bad, bad, bad yeah, idea. Yeah, it is. And... Um, <laughs> But anyway, um, after the contents were analyzed, it turned out that uh, it, it was just some planted stuff. The doll was not uh, from 1849. Mm. The, the coin, it said 1850-something, but it was kind of scratched out, and then they discovered solder on the edges of the coin. <laughs> so it was like in, in a piece of jewelry, and so, anyway, um, I'm, I'm getting all this, this information secondhand, so I don't know how accurate it is, but that's the story I was told. Well, I, it, I understand it, the doll kind of was funny. a chatty cat. Yeah, it, it, de- <laughs> it, it definitely qualifies for a Geraldo production, yeah. that, that's for sure. <laughs> there's a, there's yeah. a quote, and I love this, it's, shortcuts make long delays. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I like, um, there's no shortcuts in life. <laughs> so, um, so definitely in Manley's case, I mean, it's funny, he took that uh, shortcut down the Green River, which was so disastrous, and they end up nearly drowning and starving to death. And then, uh, well, you know, treks all the way to Salt Lake or south of Salt Lake and meets up with the Bennetts. And then they Bennett decides they're going to follow this bogus map, and Manley is just as loyal as he can he wants to stick with his friends he goes with them so um yeah it was not yet another shortcut which ends up in disaster i think that manly's story is kind of like the donner parties Mm -hmm. um in in that there's this struggle for survival and this tension and um you know near-death experience and and except that it doesn't take place in the mountains it takes place in the desert and of course there's no there was no cannibal cannibalism that mm-hmm. at least that we know of right. there, there was rumors about it with another group of the uh, group of men that uh, took off but um, we don't know about that story the book is called the man who beat death valley based on the true story of uh, William Lewis Manley our guest Deborah A. Fox it is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts. We'll be back right after these important messages. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda, 
That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson, is now Wilkinson Wealth Management, 7411 East Tanker Verde in Tucson, 520-777-1911. Read classic Western comics anytime at Voices of the West.net. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats, but did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. As we recognize the service of America's men and women in uniform, let's also honor the families who sacrifice so much every day. Military families endure frequent deployments and separations. They carry on while their loved ones are sent into harm's way and wait patiently for their safe return. If you really want to honor a veteran, look for ways to support their families and thank them for their sacrifices. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. All right, listeners, you like Westerns, right? You're to... I mean, you do listen to this program. So you want a chance to tell the rest of the world which Westerns you think are the best? I'm always ready to back up whatever I say. Here's how. Email us your picks for your top five Westerns. Tell us why you think those five are the best cowboy movies. You got any more you want to say on the subject? Each month, we'll pick one entry and offer you the chance to talk about your choices as a guest on our live stream and resulting podcast of the Voices of the West program. Pretty simple, right? We want to hear from you. But we have our men scouring the valley. Email your list to bestwesternsvoicesofthewest at gmail.com. I guess that's all we need to hear. Get your hands up, all of you! So you thought you could get by with another holdup, huh? Well, maybe a long jail term will teach you boys something. And if it don't, there's always a rope. This is the Voices of the West. Francie's Voices of the West. We are. Just I'll take the I'll take the jail time. You keep the rope. <laughs> We're just zooming to the uh, yeah to Bob Wills and Texas Playboys, I man. Love Bob Wills. Good stuff. Welcome back to Amel Francie's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker to France. Todd Roberts, our guest, Deborah Fox, and the author. She is the author of uh, the graphic novel The Man Who Beat Death Valley. Deborah, did you ever think about? Was there always a plan that this would be a graphic novel, or did you have did you entertain the thought about yeah we'll just make it a regular book with some illustrations? Oh um, no, it was always going to be a graphic novel in okay. my mind. Mm-hmm. The difference um, was 
that I thought, well, do I want to just do like a graphic novel version of William Lewis Manley's autobiography, Death Valley in 49? Or do I want to incorporate more of his writings? And I found that um, definitely I wanted to expand more upon his life and put in the things that Manley did not talk about in his autobiography. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, here's an interesting thought, you know, it, it, if you do the sequel and you, then you do the prequel, then you can put all three of them together and have one mammoth uh, <laughs> a edition, a miniseries. Yeah, a <laughs> miniseries. I would love that, yeah. yeah. Bruce Boxleitner yeah. to start it. You know. <laughs> hey, you know, we, we haven't talked about Charles Albert at all, and, and he's an interesting guy. Yes, he is. Actually, um, there's very little known about Charles Albert, except what Manley says about him. And, and, and he's not at all in Manley's autobiography. Hmm. He's in some of uh, Manley's other writings. Manley actually wrote a lot of magazine articles about his pioneer days. Oh, interesting. And, um, hmm. yes, and, uh, and Albert is mentioned in those. Now, Albert was around 60. He was a prospector. He was educated, and uh, I think he went to law school. He was from, from New York. He knew a lot of things about different subjects like mineralogy and botany, and he was a very amiable person. Um, and Manley says, I can't say enough good things about him. So, um, I, of course, I didn't depict him so um, so pleasant because he had been abandoned by yeah. Asahel Bennett twice mm -hmm. in the desert, left to um, starve. I so, um, I mean, he, yeah, even the nicest guy is going to be um, ticked <laughs> off about that sort of thing. So. <laughs> All right, it is time for some shameless, shameless promotion, Deborah Fox. What is going on? Where can people get this book? And tell us about your website. Oh, great. Well, <laughs> you can buy The Man Who Beat Death Valley at debfoxdesign.com or on Amazon. Um, it's gotten great reviews from San Francisco Book Review and Kirkus, and it's won honorable mention for the North Street Book Prize and was a finalist for the National Indie Excellence Award. Cool. And I wrote it with extended appendices, like a bibliography and a glossary. And you mentioned the cursive that's in there. There's it's a great. cursive key for for um, kids. So it was it was written for educators, homeschoolers, and uh, librarians. It's, so um, and and kids of all ages who love history. The historical notes are awesome. Yeah, because that uh, after I finished it and I got to that part of the book. And I read them. Then I went back through again, correlating the notes with the mm -hmm. various sections as they were mentioned. What, what's up next for you, Deb Fox? Well, I'm still writing um, graphic novel scripts. I'm writing some uh, about the history of the Northwest. Um, there's some topics up here that are pretty interesting. And um, I'm also um, researching about female prospectors of the West. Oh, and um, wow. yes, yeah, yeah, I would love to do a graphic novel about the female prospectors. Oh, cool! We don't know a, a, a lot about them, but there were a few, and they were very colorful characters. Do you know Chris Enns? She was the former uh, president of the Western Writers of America group. Are, are you familiar with her? No, I'm oh, not. You look should her up. look her up because she has written bunches of books on women of the West. And uh, she, you well, might. why don't we take it a step even further? Why don't we just introduce them? Well, we, yeah, we will. We, we should do that. I will shoot. Yeah. You, I will shoot you, you Chris's know? email address, and uh, yes. we'll, we'll make that work because uh, she'd be a good resource for you. And she's I a think. tremendous re uh, researcher. She is, and she's a, a funny, funny lady. Very, very funny, and, and a great writer. Wonderful. Yeah. So I'll shoot you her email I address. Uh, after, after we're done here with with the show, so coming up next time <laughs> on Amo Franzi's Voices of the West, it's another good one. Yes, it is. Uh, 
well, let's see. We have Kelly Payne yes. joining us. She is a former president of the Oklahoma Stock Exchange, the first woman to ever hold that office. Yeah, she's got a tremendous resume. She's and, done a lot of stuff. And she's gone off into uh, partnership with her dad and... Well, and her dad and her brother and her husband and her family and seventh generation rancher you know, in Oklahoma. And, and most it, of Oklahoma, It's yes. just good all the way around, and we're going to honor Oklahoma. So that's it uh, for this edition of uh, Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Deb Fox, thank you so much. Hang on the line. Thank Don't you for away. having me. You bet you. Don't run away yet. Uh, thank you, Deborah. And that'll be it for this edition. 78. 79, 80, oh, what are we doing in Death Valley O's? <laughs> so long, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West. 